welcome back to season four on the Hall Pass podcast. Thank you to the Admission Masters for sponsoring us as we are so excited to be able to bring you special guests and new content these, this season. I'm your host, Jenny Wheatley, and today I have with me Jay Park and Richard Kim. Hi, guys. Hi, hi. Hello. As many of you may or may not know, uh, college admissions decisions are coming out. I, I remember a while back, it must have been how long has it been for us like 10, for you 20 nine years? 30 years ago oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> i want to say like 10, 10 11 years ago um i remember this time of year making our college decisions or my college decisions and deciding where i wanted to go to college um so as many of you may or may not know college admissions decisions came out throughout the month of march a lot of them did come out the latter half of march mm. um and so many of our seniors right now class of 2019 are making their decisions on which college they should attend where where they should go for the next four years which is a really big decision uh, and some students may have also been waitlisted to their top choice schools so today uh, we thought it would be really awesome to talk about what to consider and what not to consider when you're making your college decision uh, just helping out our seniors but also at the same time if for our listeners who are non-seniors uh, I think this is a really great opportunity for you to think about ahead of time you know what goes into making that ultimate decision mm. and then also what to do when you're waitlisted I think um, this is something that's really important for all students to know uh, but I'd love to share that a little bit with you guys today so Richard and Jay we're here just the three of us today and we would mm. love to uh, talk a little bit about this so um, before we get started let me just give you a little bit of a synopsis for all of our listeners our freshmen sophomores even our middle school students who aren't really sure in my juniors class of 2020 this is gonna be you guys in, in like less than a year um, and so let's let's think about this so first and foremost um, all the na the nationwide statement of intent to register date, uh, which we also call the SIR, is May 1st. Um, and so all seniors right now have to make their decision. Um, after the results come out in March, they have to make a decision on which college they want to go into by May 1st, which also includes a deposit. Mm. Uh, so you do have to submit a deposit as part of that and some schools deposits are less than others i think the uc schools are like 250 mm -hmm. um somewhere along the line and so throughout the month of april what colleges do um and a lot of admissions representatives are organizing this is admit weekends or admit days admission day bruin day at ucla quaker day at upenn newly admitted students day at harvard right so all of these kind of schools have different types of admit days and uh do you guys remember your admit days like what 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 do you remember like tell me i mean richard this is a little sooner than me and jay we're that was about a decade I, I don't or actually, so you, did well, you go to bruin day <laughs> no i'm not even sure if we had a bruin day oh did no, we you have, did for we, sure we yeah. had a we had a move-in weekend no 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 there was a bruin day yeah, yeah. you might have not you might hmm. have not gone because you knew you were going to go to ucla this is a, also what happens to some students that like they get invited to Man. these types of days but then they don't end up going because they're like no 100 percent, i'm going to go to this school um, so tell me, tell, let's tell the listeners a little bit about like, well, Jay's memory is a little foggy. Wait, he may have never gone. Well, real quickly, Jenny, you and I, we got, we matriculated UCA at the same year. Yeah. You're telling me you went to a Bruin day? I'm, I know for a fact that I went to some sort of admit day. Okay. Um, because I remember during that day going to a bunch of booths. Okay. And there was a reception. There was an outdoor like brunch or, I mean, not brunch. It was like a buffet, um, or meal. And my, my parents all also were able to come we went to um the uh the bruin center or what is it called right next to wooden 
um, where all the restaurants are. Ackerman. Ackerman. Yeah, Ackerman. We went to Ackerman Ackerman and they had a huge like ceremony. Uh, We sat and I talked to a bunch of like admissions representatives (laughs) and like people who spoke. Uh, They had, like I said, a lunch for us where we were all outdoors sitting in a picnic area and it was all catered. Um, And then there were booths. Yeah, you probably didn't go. You probably didn't go. Um, I I, I try to remember actually if I went to Burundi or if I went to orientation. Orientation. I went to orientation for sure. Yeah, of course you have to go to orientation because that was a long time for uh, for me too. That was that was nine years ago. I think the reason I remembered it is because like my mom was so proud and she was like (laughs) so excited. She was more excited to go to Bruin Day than than I was, and um, I just remember it so clearly. And then being like, "Wow, this food is so good!" (laughs) um, for the first time. So I just I remember that. So for listeners, um, there are two main events that happens once you commit and are admitted uh, or admitted and then commit by May 1st the first is like an admission day or admit day and that's what usually a weekend mm-hmm. one-time event where you go to kind of schmooze around say hello check out the campus they're trying to win you over exactly yeah okay then there's orientation and I think orientation is much more significant because mm-hmm. that's when you choose uh, you have to choose your course schedule okay no that so what I did was orientation day oh. I don't know if I went to Bruin day oh because I was pretty certain of going to UCLA too yeah so I didn't end up going to admit day yeah but um I remember I remember Richard being very uh well not richard was very adamant about going to ucla other people which i'm not going to mention were like go to berkeley because he was also accepted (laughs) at berkeley and then he ended up choosing ucla which was the better choice which i can also talk about (laughs) more in depth if i need to yeah yeah that'd be a good one um yeah i didn't i didn't end up going to bruin day actually now that i think about it my a lot of my friends didn't end up going to bruin day either because they probably knew because they knew for sure that they wanted to go to ucla i think it makes more sense if you're really debating on which schools you want to go to and you're not sure then in that case it makes sense to go to an admit day but if you know for sure and you've you know researched into the college a lot i guess it's not entirely necessary yeah right so here's to clarify so for the listeners um essentially the results will come out by march end of march beginning of april Mm -hmm. and then before may 1st which is the sir deadline you have to put in the deposit choose one school they'll host a bunch of admit days. So admit days will come before you have to deposit. Mm -hmm. And the function behind that is so that the schools can try to essentially win win you over. You know, hey, here, look at our treats. I did did admit day for my grad program. I could talk about that. Oh, tell us about that. That was was like two years ago. So after I got accepted, there is a preview day for for my grad program at Penn. Mm -hmm. And so essentially they do exactly what what Jay said. They try to schmooze you (laughs) and, you know, feed you and and show you all the the best places at Penn and you know take you to see all the sites and I think you yeah know, the, the, ba- the main goal there is to sell the school and to make sure that they hopefully can kind of hook you in but I I went to Penn knowing you know to the preview day already knowing like I wanted to go to Penn yeah so it was a kind of a different experience like I would have some of the alumni come up to me and say um oh so did you you know are, are you still making your decisions and I was like no I'm pretty sure I want to come here so they were like uh, why are you here then? Why, why, why did you come all the way over here? So uh, it was it was a good experience, and I think it was just nice having people kind of schmooze over me. And yeah. Me <laughs> yeah. So you you have to be very careful because I think sometimes also there are schools that will like pay for your flight and yeah, like pay for your like room and everything just so that you can come. So just be careful because you know what what you see on admit weekends are not always 
what might be you know your your experience right yeah Yeah, absolutely but i think think, i think i think connecting with people while you're there is probably a really important thing to do if you base your decision on where you want to go solely on admit day you might feel a little disappointed because admit day they're putting everything Everything. to 11 out of 10 you know they're putting all their work there's some schools that will um like plant flowers on on the school's campus oh, just God. for preview day, oh, yeah. and then so the that, rest of the yeah, year there's no flowers. Yeah, <laughs> there's we, no flowers. We talked about that, but that's uh, <sighs> it's crazy. Well, Remember that it's it, from the point of view of the college admissions. Once they give you an acceptance letter, um, they are evaluated. The colleges themselves are ranked based upon the retention of that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there, there's a there's a motive behind why colleges want to do this wooing. Factor. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So, so what, what should you consider? And I think a lot of, you know, right now, Jay, uh, Richard mm-hmm. and myself are having these meetings with students mm-hmm. who have gotten, have, you know, I have a student who was accepted to HYPS, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Ooh. all four schools and MIT. Asian? Um, crazy. Yeah. Korean. Wow. Girl. One Korean mom must be super um, happy right now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, she, she's really, really like confused. Like she's, she's going to all the meet, admit weekends. Unfortunately, she can't make like two of them because um, they overlap on the same weekend so she's kind of had to narrow them down um, but in any case yeah she she had no rejections this year she was wow. accepted to every school that she applied to um, and you know who you are out there if you're listening mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway she's uh, you know she when we're having these meetings with students I feel like their biggest questions to us is like well what are the differences between these two schools and I think a lot of times they're they're alongside schools that are very similar in rank, right? Mm-hmm, so, like, mm-hmm. I have students who are like UCLA versus USC, or you know, UCLA. USC. Oh, go oh, on, sorry. <laughs> um, or like, you know, UC San Diego versus UC Irvine, or I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. there's schools that are like fairly similar name value, but they're just not sure what to consider. So, um, let's let's talk about this a little bit, and I'll, I'll be a little bit more broad, and then I'd love Richard and Jay to get a little bit more specific. So, I think um, the things that we really ask students to consider is the programs majors and academics that are available at their school and if it aligns to what they want to potentially do in the future um, obviously financial aid and tuition is a big thing you know some schools might give you more money some schools are more expensive or Mm. cheaper than others Uh, we also talk about school culture you know what type of culture what type of people what type of diversity ethnicity what type of experiences do you want um some of my schools really like the camaraderie. So they want to go to schools like UCLA and Duke where, you know, there's there's a football and basketball presence and they really want to build that camaraderie. Some students are like, no, I just want to go to a really small school. So I think it just really depends. But generally speaking, those are the things that we talk about. So mm-hmm. I don't know, Jay and, and Richard, why don't you guys tell us a little bit of, why don't you tell the listeners like a little bit more about one, what do you talk to your students about? What do they ask you? And mm-hmm. how? let's get into this a little bit more. And also like from your experience, I know if UCLA was like, well, for Richard, Berkeley versus L.A., I kind of want to hear later, you know, what what you ultimately, why you ultimately decided UCLA. And same thing for you, Jay. I know you had a lot of like options. So, yeah, let's get into this a little bit more specifically. So I want to talk. Let's let's talk about like categorically first programs, majors. Um, I have like something, a tip or a thought for each thing each category that jenny just brought up Mm -hmm. such as from programs and majors then we have the financial and tuition cost yeah and then the school culture uh so we'll start with programs and majors one of the things i you know i'm meeting with students right now and it's kind of a catch-22 scenario because on the one hand 
we're trying to say, hey, you made it to college. You get to really spend your freshman year to explore and do what you want. But on the flip side, it's you should know what you want to do so that you know mm. how to spend the four years and maximize so you're not ending up being a fifth year, sixth year graduate. So it's 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 a rough place to be. But um, I start with questions such as, you know, what major they got accepted in and whether they wanted to continue with that major or change and go a different path. Mm. If the student says, I don't know, then I ask them to try to generalize. Well, do you think that you'd be interested in business, like broad categories? Do you think you'll be interested more in like health sciences? Yeah. And then if I can try to kind of iron some of the initial thoughts out i can then advise the student okay well these are the schools that are well known for these major choices Mm. i'm not looking purely at the u.s news rankings because that's just the holistic ranking system i also am looking at what the college each college the student was accepted to is particularly good at so for example you want to definitely be considering nyu if you're thinking about going to business or finance Mm -hmm. but you don't want to be considering nyu for business and finance let's say over for example uci Mm -hmm. uci does a lot of business information management so if you want to go into data science that could be better for you Ah. so major wise there's that kind of notion and it also has to do with the fact that there's connections and industry pipelines based on the programs and what they're known so known for for example um, if you go to ucla there are recruiters on campus for the business economics program so if you wanted to go entry level into accounting join pwc kpmg ernst young um i'm missing one of the big fours uh kpmg pwc ernst young and deloitte mm-hmm. then you can go to ucla because you have they that have assurance that ah, they have recruiters on campus yeah, 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 so yeah. getting to know the employee pipeline the industry pipelines that schools have That's another good example smart. is uiuc uiuc is like not in many asian parents radars mm-hmm. because it's it doesn't break the top 30 ranking mm-hmm. however when you look at the individual undergraduate engineering rankings mm-hmm. it's usually like top five top 10 top 15 um one thing you want to note is that they're very well connected with the aerospace industry so mm-hmm. if you want to if you're vying to design the next space shuttle or go to the moon or, or maybe fix the Boeing 777 Max 8, like <laughs> figure out what's wrong with that. <laughs> then you want to go to seven, UIUC. Four, seven. So ah. I think that's one of the things I look for in students, what their future potential trajectory yeah. is. And then I account for the fact that in their freshman year, sophomore year, 70 to 80% of students will change their major anyways. Right. So let's just make sure that where they end up, they actually they will have a program that would be good enough for them mm-hmm. um so i try to do it that way that's fantastic um what else i mean what are uh, why, why don't we go down into kind of like financial aid intuition i know i talked to oh, my okay. students about this a I, lot so the financial aid aspect of it will be i think more important for some students than others um obviously if your family is extremely well off and is willing to send you to pretty much any school that you desire then it's not going to be as big of an issue but for I think the majority of students, cost is going to be a very important factor in determining where you should be going. Um, I actually worked with a grad student recently who got accepted to both Penn and UCLA. Being an in-state student, UCLA was around $20,000 for her program, whereas Penn would be $120,000. Oh, my gosh. That's a, a 100K <laughs> difference in programs. And, <laughs> and, I mean, at a certain point, you know, it, I... 
personally don't believe that it can be worth that much more, spending that much more to go to a school like Penn, even though it's an Ivy League school. Um, the differences in the programs, it, I just don't think justifies the difference in cost. And so at the end of the day, I think you do have to break it down, see the difference in tuition, the fees, the scholarships, the awards that you're getting. Yeah. Um, and then from there, try to review the bottom line for each school to determine which one will be more worth it for you. But that is something you definitely, or I, again, for most students, you'll definitely have to take into consideration. Yeah. Right. So these days we're looking at in-state tuition would be around like 37000 for, let's say, UCLA as a California resident. Mm-hmm. Then if you're out of state, it's around 55000 to fifty-seven. And mm-hmm. then if you're thinking of private schools, you're starting at fifty-five. you're likely going upwards of seventy to 75000 I know yeah. NYU is up there. Um, when students get their acceptances, and especially if they apply, apply for financial aid and they receive their PAL, is it like prospective award letter or something like that? It's essentially where the college gives you an estimate amount of how much financial aid or support they're going to give you. Mm-hmm. I need students and parents to be aware of what the differences are between scholarships, grants, and loans. Because here's here's a simple kind of math that I want us to do in our heads. Let's say you have two options. You got accepted to USC and you got accepted to UCLA. And then there's there's this notion that goes around, well, if you apply for a private school, they'll give you more financial aid, Mm. right? I've heard that so many times and I'm wondering where that's coming from Mm -hmm. because once you do the math, let's figure it out. On the one hand, you can look at it very simplistically. Yeah, USC gave me a $20,000 scholarship and UCLA gave me a $10,000 scholarship. Mm-hmm. So just looking apples to apples, you see that USC is giving you more money. Right. But when you look at the total cost of it and it's $70,000 versus, let's say, $37,000, that twenty that ten k difference yeah. doesn't really cut in that much. In Absolutely. addition to that, how much of that twenty k is grants? How much of them are loans? Because grants are free, financial aid support, loans you got to pay back with interest. And for students who are kind of uh, concerned or questioning the loan process, um, in my experience, um, I ended up taking a loan for two of my years. Um, You (laughs) have them until six months after your graduation date before the payments start to kick in. So they give you some leniency as a student to find a job. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think a vast majority of students who graduate uh, these days will graduate with debt. So it's it's not I'm not saying that you should avoid it at all costs. It's something that you're going to have to do a calculation into. Yeah. You should um, also yeah consider the cost of living for the cities that you'll be living in. True. When you're looking at the cost of living in Philadelphia versus let's say New York, Absolutely. that's a huge difference. Um, especially since you're not going to be most likely living on campus for all four years. How's and Philadelphia versus Orange Philadelphia County? Philadelphia is way cheaper. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also, in addition to that, you should be considering travel costs. So if you're going to live in, you know, you're from SoCal, and then you need to, you know, factor in how much it's going to cost for you to fly back and forth from New York every year, mm-hmm. multiple times potentially, versus just driving for one or two hours to your to your school. Mm-hmm. That's something else that you need to be considering. So the costs don't just end with, you know, your tuition and your the price of the books and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, there are other things that you'll that have you to need consider. to consider. Yeah. I also want to mention because like a lot of times I'm doing these uh, results meetings and students will bring their financial aid. Aid, 
awards summaries with them so that we could kind of do the decision making yeah, process yeah, considering yeah, yeah. the cost which i highly suggest parents when you if you have a, a counselor or guidance um make sure you show them that too because that should go into the calculus of your decision here. yeah uh, one of the things that comes up and i get a question a lot about is this concept called work study so to explain what work study is essentially the school will hire you mm -hmm. and they will pay a certain amount money. of your wages and we're talking like you know, typical Craigslist classified ad type jobs on low. campus. Yeah. Um, we're talking like well, a could little be like bit above minimum wage, I think. Right. Yeah. Right. So in L.A., it'd be around 15 to 17 dollars an hour for something good that you could find. And we're talking like working at Powell Library. If you go to UCLA, mm -hmm. working at the missions office, working in a kiosk for one of the like uh, dining halls, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, work study. Um, I'm not sure if students will kind of buy into my philosophy, but I'm a huge fan of it. Mm -hmm. I think that developing a working uh, professional experience mm -hmm. is always a good thing. And to start young would be great. So yeah. work study not only covers your school tuition costs, but it also gives you an in into developing your professionalism. So if you're interested yeah. students and you got the opportunity to join a work study uh, financial aid option, I suggest you do it and just give it a shot. Yeah, I would say that 100% is probably something that you want to take advantage of. You're going to want the cash too. Trust me, as a freshman, you're going to be strapped for cash. You're going to want to have that extra cash to blow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, and school culture, I think this is something that a lot of my students talk about. And I think, uh, Jay, like you covered this earlier a little bit, you mm. know, what, what it's going to look like when you have professors or classmates or, you know, what are the residence halls and dining facilities look like? Or, um, how do students hang out? What are the clubs like? Right. Like mm. it, I know UCLA is, is very lively to be honest. Like if you're walking on Bruin walk, Energy. something's about to happen energy all dude. the time <laughs> i loved it um you know even in the mornings there there's still some it's that that liveliness right that mm -hmm. that's always exists so bustling um and if you like that then that's one thing but if you like you know an area that may or school that's not necessarily like that there are plenty of schools like that yeah as well. if you want the butterflies and hummingbirds and like the the the, <laughs> the 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 snow white type of experience i definitely felt that at uc davis uh, uc davis is like there's no cars there <laughs> it's just parking lots of bikes and just biking along. And we're talking like the, super. Oh, it's a lot yeah. of environmental. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah, don't yeah. even allow McDonald's to come into their campus area. Because oh, they're super, interesting. Like, they're small town, small college type of vibe. That's UCLA, pretty different than that. Hmm. Um, in terms of school culture, I mean, the most notable things would be, for example, like USC. USC is really well known for football games and tailgates and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, they're also, in terms of school culture, known very much for connections, yeah. networking, yeah. alumni. Yeah. Um, especially if you're leaning more towards like business um, in in Southern California and the industries that are so prevalent here. Mm -hmm. um, the other aspect of school culture that I kind of lean towards, especially um, as a UCLA student myself, would be. Uh, student life in terms of recreation yeah i'm not sure if you guys took advantage Super of this at ucla important. but you could go to the gym with your student id you can sign up for yoga class you could sign up for kickboxing there's you can do indoor sports there's, oh my gosh there's, a lot that there's so do. much you could do you mm -hmm. can go kayaking mm -hmm. over at the bay mm -hmm. um as a high school student going to college i didn't know that this was part of what college would offer i didn't know that college mm -hmm. would offer you these these like hobby Amazing. experiences worldly experiences and that's something I didn't take advantage of until I started to discover that my second or third year so I have a lot of regrets there um, I feel like a school will have a certain type of vibe or energy 
Uh, we keep talking about UCLA. It's energy driven. I'd say it's like a fitness go getter type of culture. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that's going to be the same for Penn. What's Penn like? Penn is. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's the same way. There's um, a lot of opportunities for you to go, um, go like hiking and go kayaking, and there's a lot of nature around, like outside of the Philadelphia area, even okay. within the Philadelphia area. But um, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I would say UCLA probably is a little bit more like towards that outdoorsy kind of mm. feel because we have amazing weather in Los Angeles, whereas mm. in, when you know in Penn. Um, you know, during the winter times, that's not going to be as prevalent. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. Okay. But there's still a, a, that type of culture at Penn, right? Like it's still, I've heard people say it's very bustling and um, maybe not as much as UCLA, but I'm sure that that does exist. Uh, I Yeah, I would say so, but not to the same extent as UCLA. When yeah. I think of UCLA, I think of a lot of energy. Yeah. Maybe that's also attributed to the fact that there is, uh, the weather, it's like always sunny in LA. Yeah. There's always, True. you know, so many people outdoors. Whereas sometimes, again, like in the wintertime or in the spring, um, you know, students are a little bit more indoors. So it's not, it doesn't, I don't know. When I think back to it, it seems like UCLA had more energy than what you would find at Penn. But still, I mean, Penn wasn't, you know, lacking in that regard. Yeah. So we just came back from a campus tour. Um, Counselor Vincent, myself, and uh, two others, we went. The two week last Saturday yeah, or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the tour guides there said something really that stood out to me, especially for those who are struggling with the whole size debate. Like, I, do I want a big school or a small school? Oh, I don't even okay. know what I want. Yeah. So he was a fourth year, and he was a he was I think like a humanities major. I'm not too sure, mm-hmm. but he was talking during the tour that uh, he was interested initially in liberal arts as a as a senior when all his results came out. Mm-hmm. He wanted a small environment, uh, but. Uh, Things kind of didn't turn out that way. And ultimately, he ended up going to UCLA. And mm-hmm. he doesn't regret that choice at all as a fourth year mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. he says this that really stood out to me. He, he's come to realize that you can make a big school small, but you can't make a small school big. Mm. And that really stood out and made yeah. a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and it yeah, resonated yeah. with my own experience at UCLA. Uh, the biggest kind of hit against UC system schools are that like UCs are so big. There's so many students. To me, I look at that as a benefit now because I get to choose who I want to hang out with and I have the opportunity on a, on a random weekend to, if I wanted to explore something new and meet someone new, I mm-hmm. can, I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so for students who are concerned about how a school might be, might have a reputation of being too big, I think it all boils down to the golden rule that we can all agree to. It's college is what you make of it. So if you want to make your college experience to be inclusive, more personal, more one-on-one, small, tight, knit groups. You can make that happen. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I just wanted to kind of share that part. You can make a big school small. Yeah. But you can't make a small school big. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, So let's go into like what not to consider because I feel like Mm. um, some students weigh some of these things really heavily. And when they do that, they're actually cutting themselves short a little bit, right? They're kind of not giving themselves the opportunity to experience and explore something further. So what I tell students is number one, like location. I understand that location can be important, but I, I know that there's students who are very like, like um, location driven when it comes to uh, the myths and like 
preconceived notions about mm. that location for mm. example and i think jay you're you're you probably fall into this category as well Vanderbilt. but yes so tennessee nashville um location what not to consider so first and foremost like i get it location could be important in terms of like preconceived notions but without actually visiting the location i feel like it's a little ignorant for you to say something is a certain way because you saw it on TV or that's what other people said it was like, or you, mm. you saw it on media. So Nashville, Tennessee, you know, uh, home of country music, home of music in general. Um, and people have this like very specific, um, preconceived notion about Nashville. I don't think this was you, but just like people in general, Jay, um, say, you know, that there's mostly white people and that it's in the South. There's racism that exists, like all of these things, right? People say, and and so like my students who are, who applied to Vanderbilt just because they, it's a great school. They have an awesome business and education program. Like they, they like the school, but then once they get accepted, um, then they look at all the other schools and then they end up choosing like USC or UCLA over Vanderbilt because I think they're caught off guard by the fact that like, okay, can I live in Nashville for four years? Right. Mm. Because of what they know based on what they've researched. Um, so I have, had the opportunity to visit and this is just an example but I had an opportunity to visit Vanderbilt a few weeks ago and let me tell you not only is Vanderbilt one of the richest cities when it comes to history but when people talk about Southern comfort, I mean, there is Southern comfort. I mean, from the moment that our Lyft driver picked us up from the airport to uh, meeting students on Vanderbilt campus and going to restaurants in Nashville um, and talking to people. And uh, actually, I, I stopped a Vanderbilt student. He was jogging. Um, he was probably like running and exercising. And I stopped him and I said, hey, can you tell me a little bit about like Vanderbilt? I'm a high school counselor and my students want to know about Vanderbilt and he just he stopped in the middle of his jog and talked to me for 20 minutes just to tell me why Vanderbilt he told me that Vanderbilt is considered the Harvard of the South um he said you know he lives he you know grew up close by and so like people think of two places to go um who are academically capable in the South and that's Vanderbilt or University of North Carolina um, and so like they kind of talk about that. He talked about that. He also talked about Duke a little bit as well. But um, it was amazing. And also historically, Nashville um, was also one of the first locations where women had the right to vote. Um, it was also where Martin Luther King said, you know, I'm not going to Nashville to inspire Nashville. I'm going to Nashville to be inspired by Nashville. And I think that just kind of goes to show the history behind a place like Nashville and Vanderbilt. Now, that's that's not to say Vanderbilt and Nashville is uh, similar to Irvine, California, or that Definitely you know that not. that you're you're gonna see sushi and. Uh, uh, Korean food and Korean barbecue right down the street. There's mm. a lot of barbecue, but it's not Korean barbecue, right? Mm. And so you'll, so it's not to say that there's, sim there's, you know, they're the same. And if you want something like Irvine, you should go to Vanderbilt. But I really think that there's a, a, a value in going to admit days and going to admit weekends and visiting the city and visiting the neighborhood and talking to students um, and not taking what you see online as what it is because I think that there that there's a lot of bias and a lot of 
what we like to call these days fake news. And I think uh, that's just something that I, I would really like to throw out there that, you know, if you're going to consider the location, don't consider it until you actually visit. If you visit and you're like, I can't do this, like this is not something that I can acclimate to, um, then that's that's on you. But I think that that, you know, you you should visit without just saying, no, I'm not going to go to the school. Um, and on that same sense, I think name value only, like a lot of students like focus on name value. We had a student last year who got accepted to Cornell. Actually, Cassandra was just on with us a few um, episodes ago and she ended up choosing USC because she was a trustee. Uh, right? Was a trustee, right? She got a full ride. Yeah. Um, and so she ended up choosing USC over an Ivy League school, which I think a lot of students like and parents would be like, what? Why wouldn't you choose the Ivy League school? Because it's an Ivy League school. But I think there's so much other things that you can consider. Um, I think there's one last one is like where my high school friends are going. Right. Like if my friends are going there, I'm going to go there. You know, so so I think these are things that you might not want to consider. Do you guys have anything else that you would recommend? My students? boyfriend is going there, so I'm going to go there. My girlfriend is going there. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to say 99% of the time, that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. um, I, just, hear, just, yeah. I think just friends in general on that note, you know, I think a lot of people believe that the friends that you end up keeping in high school, you for sure will be keeping uh, all throughout the rest yeah, of your life, yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, and, and de that definitely can happen. But I feel like for most students, as you start going to college, even with the same friends that you've held in high school, mm -hmm. you end up kind of drifting apart yeah. and that's a you know it's an unfortunate reality for a lot of students but you make a lot of your closest friends in college as well mm -hmm. and I think um, you know if you're trying to decide on where you should be going just based on you know where your friends are going it's probably or where your girlfriend or boyfriend is going it's probably not the best basis for the decision that you're making um, so something that you might want to think about as you decide where you actually should be going and what might be a better fit for you mm -hmm. I have um I just want to generalize a philosophy about making a decision for college. Why do you want to go to college? You want to go to college to grow. You want to go to college to be challenged. Do you want you want to go to college so that uh, you can experience new things? So if that is your mantra, then in choosing a college, you're not trying to find what's most comfortable for you, mm -hmm. right? I see so many times that students are like, I want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. Yeah. And it goes back to my quote that I use, Kung Fu Panda, all the time. If all you seek is comfort, you're never going to become more than who you are. You love that movie. I love <laughs> that quote. <laughs> all right? And so, because I, I believe in it. I stand by it. That, you know, like, I have students say, well, I don't want to go to the school because it'll be too cold. Yeah. Too cold. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about here? Right? We're talking about your education, right? Not 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 your comfort day to day where you could sip cocoa and tea all day. Yeah. You and can so, acclimate to cold. Definitely. So to me, I want parents especially to encourage their students to not seek what's comfortable to them. I see some counselors even asking in this way. And I think that it's, that's the incorrect approach because you're not supposed to find what's comfortable. You're supposed to find what can bring out the most value and potential out of that student. Mm -hmm. And so Sometimes that choice is going to that place in the South. <laughs> Sometimes it's choosing that place that uh, is further away. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. has no other of your friends going to. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's my biggest advice. I Try to seek yeah. discomfort. To play devil's advocate for a moment. I think at the same time, if a student isn't happy and 
finds that you know they don't want to be at that school they go there even against their you know their best judgment they they wanted to you know go to that school or sorry like someone else wanted them to go to that school and so they go but they're not happy there they're Mm -hmm. not going to be successful and so if they ended up you know going somewhere where they were not satisfied they didn't like the culture there they didn't like that they were at a small school when they wanted to go to a bigger school Mm -hmm. i mean an argument can be made that they should break out of that shell and try something new but you're still a kid when you're in college you're still I I think most students are still you know not at that level of maturity where they can make the best decisions for themselves Mm -hmm. um, even when they're in school and so if they're they're unhappy and they're finding it hard for them to break out of their shells and they're just kind of stuck they're not going to do well there and in that case they might not maximize really the the opportunities available to them yeah yeah i think i think it's it's everything that that jay and richard said i think you guys should consider um yourself and and more of a reason that that you should go visit these schools to see if you can see yourself fit uh in these schools um so we're gonna kind of move in just because we've talked about this for a little while we want to talk about wait lists just very briefly um so in as part of those March uh, results that come out, uh, part of that is colleges letting you know that, hey, we liked you, but, you know, we've kind of exceeded capacity at this point. So we're going to put you on a wait list. Um, and so just to kind of let you guys know how wait list process works, um, you get that same letter from colleges or email um, and it'll send you a link that says, OK, tell us whether or not you want to stay on the wait list or you don't want to be on the wait list. Um, it's in your best interest to respond to that as quickly as possible. Um, it's not really, you know, first come first serve all the time, but you know, colleges are going to want to know um, how quickly and how interested you were about being on the wait list. Uh, our recommendation also is to read the instructions very carefully. Some colleges say, "Don't." There's nothing you can do about like the wait list. Just tell us if you want to be on it or not, and we'll reconsider your application. Some colleges are more vague, and they just say like, "Hey, you know, tell us if you want to be on the wait list or not," and Uh, We'll be in touch with you, right? So whatever that may be, just read the instructions carefully. For schools like UCLA, um, they have like a 4,500 character box um, underneath the wait list, um, whether or not you want to stay on the wait list. And in that box, they want to know like your first semester grades um, in your senior year. Uh, and they also, you know, maybe give you some space to give them some updates. Um, so you just, again, want to read the instructions. Some colleges who are a little bit more broad and um, open uh, about, you know, the wait list our recommendation is to submit a continued interest letter uh, otherwise known as like a waitlist appeal letter um, and basically that letter should include your desire to attend the school that you uh, that you are sending the letter to if you were to get off the waitlist so you want to say you know I, 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 I will attend the school Uh, And then you also want to provide them with updates. So, you know, a lot of our students submitted applications January 1st. Some of you might not sent it uh, or sent it early, like November 30th for, or I'm sorry, November 1st. Um, UCs are November 30th, maybe sent it December 1st, right? And so since you submitted that application, uh, have, has there been any updates? You know, what, what have you um, done since then that you think that would be valuable. I think this important, this note is really important. Valuable. I think that some students are like, Hey, I'm continuing to get good grades. You know, I'm continuing this curricular activity and that extracurricular activity. And just continuing things is not enough of a value, right? They already assume that you are continuing things. So they want to hear like, did you win any additional awards? Or if you are continuing your extracurricular activities, like have you made any big progress? Or like, did you make an impact in your community, right? So 
that that interest letter is going to be really important. And I always also tell students to reach out to admissions representatives and alumni, just like checking in with them, talking to them and seeing what they think or seeing how they feel or asking them questions about what more you can do or seeing if they want to go to coffee, right? Like just any of these things where you can kind of reach out to them. Admission representatives are super busy during this time, so I'm not sure that they would actually meet with you. But alumni, for sure, you know, even your former um what's it called interviewer uh if they interviewed you you can reach out to them and so these are all things that you can do and basically the way that the waitlist process works is um after may 1st after everyone submits a statement of intent to register for the month of may um starting from about mid-may to the end of may colleges will know their yield so they'll know like okay we this many students accepted this is how much spots we have left um from there you know for schools who are taking continued interest letters they're going to review those letters and review re-review your application if you're on the wait list um, and they will let you know you know um, and a lot of times these colleges will let say you have 24 hours or 48 hours to make a decision um, and so if you if you are on the wait list your best bet is to check your email all the time um, and the reason is because you might not have the time to make the decision that you would want to make it because colleges need to fill up their class as quickly as possible and for them to do this, you know, they if you say that you don't want to you don't want the wait list or you don't respond, then they need to go to the next student so that they can meet their number, their quota for the year. Um, uh, last year, I had a student who got off the wait list two days before school started. Mm. Um, and so sometimes this can happen not just in the month of June, but it can happen in July. It can happen even all the way up until August because it's a trickle down effect, right? Like colleges, let's say you, you know, Jay got accepted to UCLA. Um, he said that he was going to go to UCLA, but then, um, you know, Columbia emailed him as well as, um, Stanford. And they both said, Hey Jay, we want you, you're off the wait list. Well, Harvard and Stanford are both reaching. Oh, sorry, did I say Columbia? <laughs> Columbia and Stanford are both reaching out to Jay. And so now Jay has an option to make, right? Do Oof. I stay at UCLA? Do I go to Stanford or do I go to Columbia? First world problem. Let's just assume that Jay chooses Columbia. Well, if Jay chooses Columbia, that leaves Stanford and UCLA with an open spot. Mm. Do you see how there's a trickle down effect? Like it, it's it. As the wait list come out, students SIR, but even after their SIR, they say, oh, wait, I changed my mind. I got off the wait list to the school, so I'm going to go here instead. That's That happened to one of our students um, late before. Results. Yeah, yeah, we had a student who committed to Brown, and then she got off the wait list for Columbia and ended up going to Columbia, which leaves Brown open with a spot as well, which leaves another waitlist student to come to the school. So there's a trickle down effect. I mean, do you guys have any other so tips I, for waitlist? I actually wanted to play a game with you guys because what? the 2018-2019 common data set was Oof. released for a lot of these schools, which is I'm essentially ready. the results that came out for I'm schools ready. like Stanford, Northwestern, UConn. So uh, for some schools, they, their uh, waitlist acceptance rates will be you know a lot higher. Other schools will be more difficult. Um, but I wanted to just kind of ask you guys what your thoughts were on the following three schools so we'll start with stanford um for stanford 870 students this year were offered a place on the wait list Whew, okay. 681 students accepted mm -hmm. what how many students do you think were admitted off that wait list 11 10 30 
Wow. wow, that was more than I thought. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's do Northwestern. So for that, that means I thought that you guys would have thirty students. I thought did you not guys would have thought yeah. way higher than. than oh 30. no, interesting. Okay. Waitlists are so, way younger. So for Northwestern, two thousand eight hundred and sixty-one students were offered a place on the waitlist. Wow, a thousand eight hundred and fifty-nine accepted. How many students do you think were admitted? Jeez, man, this is fifty. A tough one. I'm gonna say. Oh wait, hundred. Hundred forty. Twenty-four. What? <laughs> we are so off. He's tricking us and at the, the final standard. one, okay. UPenn. 3,535 students were offered a place on the wait list. Mm-hmm. 2,561 accepted that offer. Mm-hmm. How many were admitted? 100. 70. Nine. Oh Their waitlist acceptance gosh. rate was 0.35%. Now, could you help explain to us wow. why we're so bad at estimating and guessing? I was, was also so extremely <laughs> surprised Shocked, by yeah. this. Only nine students were admitted off the waitlist, even though 3,535. No, this year, 2018, 2019. Oh. Even though 3,535 you know, students you know, were admitted. You know what? Mm. That It just goes to show like that's how many students that, you know, UPenn had a higher yield, right? Like they, yeah. they or a lower this yield, year. right? Like they people who who were accepted, they pretty wanted much said that they wanted to go. Their yeah, yield rate was sixty seven point three three percent. Is that Northwestern's was fifty six? Okay, Stanford's was eighty one. There you oh, go. Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I mean, then that's why the waitlists are. That's so interesting. There um, are some years where the school does not accept anyone from the waitlist. So yeah, I think it's a mixed bag. A lot zero. of times, parents are coming in like, "What are my chances I know, for my son or daughter so, for the waitlist?" It's so different and we can't every tell them year because it changes every year. It's, yeah. cha- it's so up yeah. and down. Yeah, absolutely. Man, what a crazy stat. Um, okay, awesome. So let's kind of move on um, to, well, we, we just wanted to, again, thank thank our listeners um, just following us. And um, the iTunes podcast has been fixed at this point. So um, it should Finally. be updated onto your phones if you have the podcast app. Um, no later than tomorrow for sure because it has been updated. Um, so follow us there and uh, check out our new website, www.thehallpasspodcast.com. Our Instagram is thehallpasspodcast. Uh, we do want to shout out Harvey mud um ksea and mm-hmm. um irvine Val- irvine uh, korea parents association for um inviting jay and i to speak this past weekend and if you guys are listeners and you want us to come and give your school a workshop or a seminar and mm-hmm. uh, if you're in asb and you're like hey you know it would be awesome to have like a college admissions seminar for our seniors or juniors you know invite us send us an email we'd love to come um, if you missed any of our episodes, you can find it on iTunes or our website. Uh, we also want to thank our sponsors, the Admission Masters, one more time. Um, for students who are waitlisted or just need that kind of support or want to ask questions about college um, decisions, feel free to give us a call. Maybe we can meet up with you and, and give you some of our uh, advice as well. Um, there's two questions that I just wanted to pull. We did receive a lot of questions this year, but I just wanted to pull two questions and maybe we can answer very briefly. Mm-hmm. The first question is a student asked, are first semester grades important in your freshman year? So freshman year, first semester, let's do a quick answer, Richard and Jay. Yes, intrinsically, as well as for your applications, more and more because things are getting much more competitive, the schools have to start seeing more of the roadmap to make that comparison. Mm -hmm. So definitely for top 25 schools, especially even if you go into the rank 50s to like 75s, I think the freshman year is still going to be accounted for. Uh, Intrinsically, you want to start off strong. And Mm -hmm. if you do really good, if you do really well, then you go to the honors and the APs and you know how there's the signatures for the next your course schedule there's like a a a follow effect of that so absolutely you want to start off strong and colleges are becoming more competitive so they want to see more of your academic transcript some schools like stanford 
right off the bat, I mean, they don't they don't even look at your freshman year grades. So not to say it's not important, but they don't consider your freshman year grades. They'll only look at your 10th through 12th grades. UCs but as well. Having said that, um, yeah, I mean, it's important to make sure that you are, like Jay said, starting off on a strong foot. And if you don't and you end up getting a few B's, maybe even a C, the biggest thing, the most important thing you can do at that point is to show that you are improving, that you're adapting. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the best way to do that is by getting straight A's from, you know, starting from your second semester of freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. And first semester grades also sometimes can be important because some schools have a contingency in the courses that you can take if you don't get A's both semesters or, you know, higher than Mm. a B. Like, for example, if you take, you know, math, but then you want to skip pre-calc and go to AP calc, right? Like you can't do that unless you've gotten A's in both of your semesters. So just keep those things in mind uh, for freshman year. But the world, it's not over if you don't do well your first semester, as Richard said, you know, uh, just improving is really important. Um, And then another question was from a parent, um, how early should my my children um, start planning for college. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say from a parent point of view, man, with those tuition costs, you better, the moment they're out of the birth, you know, <laughs> out, of the out, birth. Of the, out of the birth, <laughs> out of the womb, you want to start thinking about some savings plan nowadays. Jeez, parents, I my, feel so sorry My for son, y'all. yeah, my son's 20, 21 months old mm-hmm. um, now. And, uh, you know, he's already started the college admissions oh, process. Geez. So, you know, he are, actually already started when he was, I was pregnant with him because he he was with me he's already written his first essays oh boy yeah. in the womb i'd say the there's womb. three of the types birth. of starting phases so there's the last phase of when you want to get help for college process stuff such as your junior year to senior year which is when you're actually getting help writing essays yeah. and, and choosing college lists and things like that um obviously that's like i'm here help me out you know it's it's very last minute type of getting started uh but at the very least, if you're a, a junior right now, it doesn't hurt to at least get help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that to make your high school experience like decently optimal, starting in ninth grade and tenth grade mm-hmm. is ideal because in ninth and tenth grade, you want to explore to identify what your major interests are mm-hmm. and start laying the foundation of your extracurricular activities. You know, you can't just become president of a club overnight. Sometimes you have to do the grind as a sophomore and then as a junior and then rising as a senior. Yeah. Uh, so I think ninth grade is a great pl- time to start. If you want it to be the super gung ho ahead, I'd say sixth to seventh grade because there are a lot of you know people laugh about that but there are a lot of boarding schools that you should be considering if you really are serious about educational investment actually had a third grade parent come up to me and said like how come you don't have services for third graders i'm like because they need to know how to multiply first. That means they're <laughs> that means they're eight years old. <laughs> um, yeah, third grade might be a little too early yeah. for college. Eighth grade is our most popular grade, so yeah, a lot of our yeah. students do start in eighth grade, like eighth grade first semester. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Jay said, sixth and seventh grade is I, we have a lot of boarding school students who matriculated very well this year. So um, if that's something you want to consider, boarding school or private schools, you know, mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. of those are, are private grades. high schools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, excellent. So I just want to say uh, thank you guys once again, um, all of our listeners for tuning in on season four, episode five. Keep your emails coming. Uh, you know, we're, we're very friendly and we respond as quickly as we can. And we'd love to feature you on um, on one of our uh, episodes. Um, again, you know, if you if you have general topics or questions, you can always email us at the podcast at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Talk to you soon. Bye. See you. Bye.